Welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, an informative and entertaining podcast for bookkeepers who love small business. Each week, Amy Hook explores new ideas and shares real-life stories along with inspiring guests from both inside and outside the bookkeeping industry. Every episode will leave you with a fresh perspective along with industry-specific tips and insights to help your business and your clients' businesses thrive. And now, here's Amy. Good morning. Thank you for joining me today. Guess what it is today? It's the Bookkeeping Project and we're up to month 11. It's the end of November. It's nearly Christmas and I have some exciting updates to share with you. Today, we're going to be focusing right on the area of sales and marketing and specifically, I'm going to talk about what I've been doing in the business to generate leads and also refining my sales process, which has really been quite interesting and also a bit challenging as well. So here's the update on what I've been doing with Off The Hook Bookkeeping. So um, as you may or may not know, I work with my husband. So Will, he is a, um, he's been working with me since the beginning or no, not quite since the beginning of the business, but since the beginning of, um, starting savvy anyway and so he's been very much involved in the business since since day one since back in 2014 when I decided to start my own business for the first time he has been around he's heard all of the ins and outs of the bookkeeping business he's heard all of the ins and outs of running the savvy bookkeeper as well and so he's just learned so much about our industry he's spoken to heaps of bookkeepers on the phone he's in the facebook group um, you know posting helpful tips and things like that and so yeah so basically What's happened over all of this time is that I've finally managed to brainwash him. So over all of these years of talking about all things bookkeeping and bookkeeping business and bookkeeping clients and, you know, anything you can think of that has bookkeeping on it, William has actually absorbed so much information <laughs> from these conversations that we've had that he has now taken over completely our SEO. So he was traditionally doing our, the technical side of our website. So he'd manage our website and also all of our clients' websites as well. And so he's been really getting into that. So he has a much bigger capacity for, than I do for understanding the technical side of websites. Um, trust me, you don't wanna go there. I did actually do a helpful post about that a little while ago where I talked about understanding the technical side of websites. So if you want to read a sort of um, not quite too serious article that keeps it kind of lighthearted and fun, you can learn a little bit about the technical side of websites and what all the jargon means. I also did a podcast episode on that as well. So I'll pop that in the link. So over the last little while, I've been kind of trying to nudge William towards doing, um, you know, get at least getting to understand how the SEO works and to use this amazing platform that we use to manage it, our, all of our SEO. But he hadn't really shown an interest yet and sort of tended to stick more with the technical stuff. But then suddenly out of nowhere, he sort of, I don't know how it happened. I think because we were in between staff members for a particular skill set and we just kind of needed help at that time and so I said to him um, oh that's right it was when our copywriter left and so I we sort of had a few gaps the whole team had to absorb the copywriter 
um, role, which was no, you know, no longer part of the business. And so what we did was we absorbed the copywriting roles across the team. And one of them was the SEO keyword planning. And so I said, William, do you want to give this a go? And he's like, yeah, how do I do it? And so I'd already made some training videos. So I'd already sent the training videos to um, Maya, who's our client project coordinator. And then I sent it to William. And so he just watched the videos and he just learned, you know, from my videos, how to set up the SEO projects, how to research the keywords um, and how to kind of, you know, um, check and, and monitor everything, research competitors and all sorts of things like that. So that was really cool because he did those training videos and he was like, oh, wow, this is great. And so he started to actually really enjoy it. And now it's quite funny, but I reckon he's actually better than it than me, um, which is cool because, you know, I really love doing SEO. For me, it's sort of like, you know, it's a little bit like bookkeeping, but it's a bit more bit more fun, bit more dynamic in a sense. I'm not saying that bookkeeping is not fun and I don't love it, but um, what one of the things that is really cool about it is that it is creative and it's technical uh, and it's analytical and it's competitive. So it's kind of ticking a lot of the boxes of things that I like. So I was really enjoying it, but I just didn't have time, you know, obviously running a little bookkeeping business and running a not so little um, other kind of business. Um, <laughs> I'm, um, you know, find myself a little bit busy to be able to really give the SEO the dedication that it needs. And so Will took over man, did he take over. So um, what's happened at Off The Hook Bookkeeping is Will has been going through all of our existing blog posts, all of our existing landing pages. He's been optimizing the pages. He's been optimizing the blog posts. He's been writing new blog posts. One really cool thing is that he's writing the blog posts as himself. He's not writing them to publish them as though it's me writing them, which is also really great because it means that he can, you know, boast about how awesome his wife is at bookkeeping and convince people that they should work with me. So that's actually really cool as well. But what, what William has been doing is he just kind of, he puts together these like really like great um, blog posts you know, he does a bit of research, obviously, on different topics and, you know, that are of interest to business owners when it comes to bookkeeping. But also, I'm starting to see how much information he's um, absorbed from me over all of these years, just banging on about bookkeeping. So, he's really become quite knowledgeable and he's written, like, I can't even count how many blog posts he's written. Um, they haven't all been published yet, but what he then gets me to do is I go through and just add in any kind of technical things or I just double check what he's said just to make sure that it's accurate in terms of how bookkeeping works or how the software works. Um, and I kind of, you know, throw a few little things in there. But honestly, I've found like I haven't even really been able, needing to change much of what he's doing. I'm absolutely amazed. Oh, take a breath, Amy. So basically, <laughs> obviously you can tell that I'm excited. The reason that I'm excited about this is because obviously, you know, part of what he's been doing there is, you know, trialing out his and improving his own skill set. And so, you know, some of it has been um, trial and error. And so he'll try something and then he'll check the reports and see what the results are, you know, within the next 24 hours. But the real, the reality is when it comes to SEO, the superficial stats for SEO are the um, what your rank is. You know, some anyone can give you a list of keywords and say, 
you know, hey, look at all these keywords that I've got you to rank for. But not all keywords are created equal. And the other thing is the real number that you want to be looking at isn't actually your Google rank. It's how many leads you're getting, how many new prospects, are, you know, how many people are coming through and getting proposals issued and how many of those people are becoming customers and how many of those, how much income is that generating for you? So they're the real numbers like sales and new clients are the true statistic that you want to know from your website, from your SEO. And so, yeah, it's been really exciting to, to not only see William like really take hold of something that he's now found a passion for um, and realizing that he's really good at it. Cause I think for him ticking all those boxes is also important. I think he, you know, he likes the, uh, the competitiveness. So, you know, William plays basketball on the weekend with a group of guys. And so he really enjoys playing basketball it is a social team that he's on but he really kind of works he really works at his skill um, as well so what he does is on his lunch break every day talk about lifestyle business it's really funny you always hear about um, dudes who say they go surfing on their lunch break well William goes and plays basketball for an hour every lunch break he goes down to um, the local basketball ring uh, basketball stadium which is really close to our house and he'll spend like an hour hour and a half practicing all of the stuff that he learned the night before on youtube videos about um, basketball so he's been doing the same thing with um, the seo and obviously he's found a little niche there for himself in what he enjoys to do but the coolest thing is i is the number of leads that we've received this month so not even this month like there was a couple of things that he did in the last couple of weeks that made a huge difference. Now I didn't realize we'd gotten all these leads because we've set up a new CRM. And so I set up um, HubSpot. I think we finished the setup in about August, but it's not completely set up. It's, you know, your CRM is always a work in process, especially when you're doing like email campaigns and setting up automations and things like that. But the, you know, the crux of the CRM is set up. We used to be on active campaign, but it wasn't really going to be sustainable because of how much the business is growing. So we set up HubSpot and we embedded the new HubSpot forms onto our website so that the clients, um, the potential clients can come onto the website and fill out a form. If they revisit the website, then, you know, the form's kind of pre-populated. So it will only offer up questions that they haven't already um, you know, answered to us before. So if they go back to the website, that it doesn't re-ask them for their phone number and their email address and all that kind of thing. It will just ask for any extra information that we need. And so that's really, really quite cool. But there is a user element there that was actually caused an issue in that when I set up the form and linked it to the automation, um, what I did was I set it up. So the, the customer goes to our website, they fill out the form, and then it triggers an email based on the selection that they, you know, I've got four options on my form. So you can go on, on, on um, my bookkeeping website and check it out. So my bookkeeping website is uh, offthehookbookkeeping.com.au. And if you go to the contact page, or there's a few pages with the form on it, but if you go to the contact page, you'll see there there's a form um, and they fill out that form and there's four questions that I ask on there. And so those questions are, well, they're not questions, sorry. It says, how can we help you? 
Um, and then the four options are, I'd like someone to call me, I'd like to schedule a consult, I just want a quote, or I have some questions. And, the, and there's a box where they, it says, enter your questions here, if they want to actually ask a question. Um, and so what happens is, and so you can totally, I don't mind if you copy me, you can go on the contact page, you can copy this for your opt-in form if you want to. So what happens is if it says, I would like someone to call me, then it sends them an email and says, thanks for requesting a callback. We'll call you within the next 24 hours. Um, and I think it gives them some, you know, information that might help them in the meantime. Um, and it also gives them an option to book in a consultation. Um, even though they were asked that on the form, it just gives them that extra option. Once they fill out the form, it, the page also redirects to the initial consult form so they can fill that out if they have time. The second one is I'd like to schedule a consult. So that one redirects them to the booking page and it also sends them an email with the booking link and a link to the initial consult form. Um, if they say, I just want a quote, then it redirects them to the initial consult form and it basically says, if you want a quote, you need to fill out this form and it sends them an email saying, if you want a quote, you need to fill out this form. <laughs> and, also, and then if it says, I have some questions, then obviously they will receive an email that says, thank you for your question. Someone will be in touch with you within 24 hours and um, you know, you get the picture. So it's all connected in that way. But the thing I forgot, to connect was the bit that tells me that somebody's filled out the form. So I didn't realize that we had gotten a lot of leads this month. So we got in the past two weeks, we got almost 10 leads, I think, no, seven in the past fortnight and 10 in total for the whole month. And I was like, oh no. So <laughs> I had to actually get in contact with all of these people and try and, I mean, imagine you inquired a, to a bookkeeper about getting their services and they didn't contact you back after they emailed you and said that they'd be back in contact with you for, with, for 24 hours. Now that said, they did receive my email and they didn't go ahead to book in the, the meeting or fill out the form. But then I discovered that the meeting link actually was broken. So they wouldn't have been able to book that. So there was a bit of a schmozzle going on there with the... Um, CRM, but that's all good. So thankfully, I haven't spoken to all of them yet, but I called a lot of them yesterday and apologized. So I sent them an email first, actually, and I said, I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know how I didn't get notified about your form, but I found it now and I'd love to chat to you if you're still looking for a bookkeeper. Um, obviously, I mean, one of the people that I spoke to, she said, oh, well, my husband said, well, obviously, if they didn't reply back, then they're not going to be very reliable. And I said, well, I, I'm hoping that I can um, win you back. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had a couple of good conversations and a couple of conversations that I didn't really enjoy that much, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so that was really cool. So I got to put, do a couple of quotes um, and I've got a few more calls to do. Um, I've, I had to book in a few people who were a bit busy, so they we had to actually schedule in a time. Um, so that was really cool. So um, obviously that's brand new. I don't have clients out of that just yet. Um, and yeah, so I mean, what I would estimate based on my experience, um, most people don't become, when you're doing, um, when you're doing your marketing online, 
Um, I think the timeline is potentially a bit or quite a bit longer. So for example, if someone comes to you and they say, oh, my friend referred me or my accountant referred me, that person's probably, they're already in that real action stage where they're like, I am ready to hire a bookkeeper and they're going to hire you quickly because they have that recommendation. Whereas when you meet someone online from your website, you've got a bit of a trust building exercise that has to happen. So I'm finding at the moment um, that it's taking on average, and this is going to sound like a bit full on, it's actually taking on average, like I reckon close to six weeks for the person to make the decision. So that's actually a lot of time. So when you think about lead generation, that's something that you can factor into your plan in that just because you're getting leads from your website, it doesn't mean that they're going to be customers instantly. And every person is at a different stage. So, um, you know, and sometimes you need to have, some of the clients you'll need to have multiple conversations with them because they'll go away, they'll think about it, they'll be busy, they'll forget. Um, then they'll think about it again and you'll call them and then they'll remember and then, you know, then they'll say, oh, that's right, I had these questions. So you, you're sort of in a consultation process for that period of time. And so... Yeah, so that's where we're at with those. So I'm thinking, I mean, at the moment, um, I reckon, yeah, I mean, my conversion rate's about 25%. So I would say out of those 10 clients, we should get, we should get two clients from that. Um, just kind of going off rule of thumb. And I, my estimate is that they're going to come on board in the new year. Um, but you never know. Sometimes people are just like, I am beyond ready. Um, it just really depends. Sometimes when they see the quote, they're like, mm, I don't want to pay you to do the catch up work. So they go and try and fix it themselves. Um, honestly, I think they usually end up paying for us to do it anyway. Um, but you know, if that's what they want to try and do, then that's completely fine. We respect that. So Yes. So that's it. So like a nice big batch of surprise leads, which was quite fun, um, except for the bit that wasn't fun, but um, I might not go into that now. It could be a, another episode, but I really, uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, well, it was interesting and I will need to talk about it. I just, I don't want to talk about it from a bagging the client kind of attitude because obviously I want to practice what I preach and I, you know, I try and share with you guys about having empathy and compassion for the clients, but also, you know, I guess being um, able to kind of stand your ground without sounding like a psycho. <laughs> Not that you ever sound like a psycho when you stand your ground, but sometimes, I don't know, I feel like I sound like one, but if I ever listen to a recording of myself, I probably sound completely normal, but I feel, you know, when your emotions kind of flare up or, you know, someone hits a nerve, you kind of think you get a bit defensive. So yes. So basically, all right. So the leads have come through and now, because I've got a nice big batch of leads in one go. So in the past, like, I mean, our, our website's always generated leads. So back when I created it in 2015, when I first started the bookkeeping business in my first year, I brought in about hundred K in the, in 12 months for, of annual recurring income from the website. So that was cool. Or actually it was 11,000. So in, um, at the highest point, my income, which was at the end, <laughs> um, my highest income was about $11,000 a month. And so that all those leads pretty much, um, there was a couple that came from an accountant, but most of them came from the website. 
And so from there, I guess at that point in time, we're probably getting a lead like every other month, uh, something like that. It just really depends. Sometimes it's a bit up and down, like you might get one lead and then one month you might not get one. Um, so it sort of goes up and down with the, you know, with the algorithms of Google. And then what happens is so over time, your site becomes more credible. Um, so it's a sort of a time thing. It's sort of an interaction with the website thing. Like when Google can see that people are landing on your site and they're not leaving straight away, they know that your site's not dodgy. So Google's not a human, so they can't actually tell what your site, like what your site is. They just kind of have to go off you know, algorithms. And so the algorithms look for patterns and things like that. And once those patterns are confirmed, then Google can see, okay, this is a legitimate business. Um, there are legitimate um, people coming to this site and they're not just hitting on the site, but they're also looking around and they're reading stuff. And that is a process that takes time, but it also requires work. And so there's a few different things that you can do um, to influence how that works and so as that improves that you know you you'll find so for example a brand new site it will be difficult to generate leads you're not going to put your site up and start getting leads the next day that's just not going to happen um unless you're i mean unless you're in an area that's highly not competitive um whereas if you're going for something more competitive like you know obviously we're working on you know keywords like bookkeeper melbourne and um you know things like that so we, um, yeah, so we've, we've seen, a, you know, an increase, but a bit of a, over time, an increase, but a fluctuation of leads. Um, I'd say my second year, after, second year of having the website, when I'd closed down the bookkeeping business, I did still get about, I'm guessing I had about 14 leads in that year, um, which I passed on to another bookkeeper of mine who's in the local area. And then from there, you know, the site's just been kind of consistent. So I just sort of putting out, I would say a lead. Yeah. And then it started to increase. So as I did a bit more work on the site and the blog, I'd say we're looking at more like one lead per week, um, which is actually really good. And I mean, cause if you're not wanting to, it might sound like a lot, but as I said, you know, if one in four or less of those come on board and then from date of contact, they take about six weeks to become a customer, then, you know, you've got a bit of time um, delay there and also not everyone's going to come on board. So if you've got 10 leads or 12 leads coming from your site every year, you should get like two or three, maybe four new clients in a year. And so that's really good because, I mean, I'm finding at the moment the average size of the jobs that are coming through, there's sort of two sizes. So there's kind of the one that's around the $1,200 a month market, which is for half a day a week. Um, and then there's the monthly clients. And so the monthly clients, um, they're smaller. They're kind of like around the $300 a month. Um, uh, I guess that's probably more the I'd more call them. They're sort of quarterly clients, but we do the processing monthly. Um, so they're kind of the two ones that I'm finding are coming through on my site. Whereas the sites that we do for other bookkeepers, I find like some of them will get much bigger jobs um, coming through and, or maybe lots of tiny little ones and one-off jobs, which I haven't really gotten that many of those on, on mine. Um, yeah, I've, I've had a few actually recently, but not 
not heaps. And so it's going to be different for everyone, depending on your branding, your target market, your area, and the different keywords that you're targeting and things like that. But that's what's happening at Off The Hook Bookkeeping at the moment. So we're getting, and for me, the ideal client is that $1,200 a month client that's, you know, half a day a week. Um, that's a great client for me. Um, and, and the other one is actually an ideal client as well, to be honest, because it's fairly low maintenance. You know, it's just recording the transactions after the fact and lodging the bass. Whereas this weekly one is something where, you know, you can really build that, you know, deep relationship with the client and you can start to offer other valued services there. So that's pretty cool. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Just really you know, the quality of the leads. As I said, like, yeah, there was one conversation I had yesterday and I just thought, actually there was two that I felt that a little bit, one more than the other, um, but for two different reasons. And so this is where I can start to talk to you about my sales process. So, um, and I can actually explain to you now what actually happened with this client without going into a lot of detail. I felt that it was, you, you'll know this client, we've all had them. Oh, it just, it only takes me half an hour, just click a few buttons and it's done. Like, and so he was offended by the price of my quote. And so that was his defensive response. And I felt really defensive on the call, but I got off the call and I reflected on it afterwards. And I thought, well, do you know what I did? I cut my own corner. So my sales process looks like this. So the initial call comes in. So it's either an initial call or an initial email, either way, initial contact. Then from there, after they've made the initial contact, what I want to do is book in an initial consult. So if they call me on the phone straight away, I'll just say, do you have 15, 20 minutes? And I do the consult right on the spot. Otherwise, I schedule them in for a specific time. So that's normally what I do. If they email, I call them and book in the time um, or I call them and try and do it on the spot. Um, so basically you've got, you know, the first stage is the initial consult, sorry, initial contact. The next stage is the initial consult. And I've got this, you know, I've got it set up like this in my CRM so I can see which stage people are at. Once I've done the initial consult, the next step from there is the health check. So the health check gets done. I let them know during the consult, they have to give me access to the zero file and then I do a health check. Then from there, the next step is health check completed. Um, so it's time to prepare the quote. So I prepare the quote and I put the health check into the quote and then I send the quote through to the client. And then I do my, then, then I enter, you know, my kind of my follow-up process, which is to, you know, call them back, um, book another time with them to chat about any questions that they have, exchanging emails with them, answering questions and that kind of thing. And then from there, it's, it, the deal is either one, so they become a client. It's um, lost, rejected by us if they're not a good fit um, and rejected by them if they don't find that we're a good fit for them. And then the other stage I also have in there is called on hold. So this is someone who says, I'm really keen to do this, but I have a few things to sort out first. I'll let that sit in on hold for you know a couple of months kind of thing. Otherwise, I'll just mark it as lost. So that's basically the way that I've set up my sales process and I find that really helpful and having it in the CRM gives me a visual. I can move, I can drag and drop them across the columns and I can see exactly who's at which stage of the sales process or sales pipeline, whatever you want to call it. So guess what I did? 
I didn't do my sales process in the order that I've designed it to be done in. <laughs> and so the reason I've designed it in that way is because it works really well. Um, the only problem is it's a little, the way I've designed it is a little bit time consuming. So I've been thinking, oh, how am I going to get around this? Am I going to charge for my initial health checks? Like how, how will I work this out? And I'm sort of a bit conflicted about how to do this. So what I did was because, you know, um, so this was, so this week I got those, found those, um, secret 10 leads discovered, but in that particular week, I also received other leads through other methods. So I had, um, I actually had a guy just like call me, um, from the website and I had a friend who's got a client that she doesn't want anymore because she's going to employment and a couple of other things. So. Oh, that's right. And then I got one from Airtasker and then I got one from Upwork as well. So last week I had a bunch of um, quotes and health checks to do as well. I got one of my team members to do the initial consult, which was cool. I wanted to test out that process and see if my process is good enough to get someone else who's not me and not a bookkeeping expert to actually do that initial consult. Probably need to iron out a couple of things there. There were a few things on the form that when they came back, I was like, oh, what did they mean by this? Or an option was ticked where I thought, really, did they tick that? It seems like in this situation, they should have ticked this. So there's a few things that need to get refined in there, maybe a bit of training, but overall I could easily possibly get someone to do the initial consult. And when I say possibly, the reason I'm saying possibly is because of this experience that I had with this particular client, because I skipped my process. So because I've had in my mind, from last week, oh, I spent like, look, it took me 90 minutes per client. So that's 45 minutes to do the health check, give or take, and then 45 minutes to do the quote, give or take. Sometimes the quote's quicker, can be 30 minutes. Sometimes the health check's a bit longer, but sort of rule of thumb, it's gonna take you about um, about 90 minutes altogether, especially if you're still like mastering the process. Um, so, I'll actually uh, drop in a link because I did turn this into a training. So I did, I, I actually took my, so I've got this process that I use. I give this to my staff to, to train them on how to do the health checks. I will actually um, share the link with you as well. If you want to check out that training to learn how to do a health check and scope a job and prepare the proposal from there. So anyway, that's the process that I follow. It takes about 90 minutes, just the same as the training that I did took 90 minutes. And from there, uh, you know, obviously not. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it took me, it was taking me on average 90 minutes to do the quotes, uh, health checks and proposals for these clients. So it got me thinking about, you know, what I said before, should I be charging for this time? And I started to think, oh, I don't want to spend 90 minutes doing all these proposals. And so, so I was looking for a shortcut. And so what I did was I took a shortcut and guess what I did? I decided to skip the initial consult. Now I've already sort of had an opportunity to do this because what I'm doing is I'm sending the initial consult to the, the clients. Thankfully, not many people actually fill it out um, and it tends to happen on the call, but I've been telling you guys, I even said this in the bookkeeping project videos that I did. Um, don't send them the form to actually call them and fill the form out on the phone together. I didn't do that with this person. I called him, this is what I did. I called him and I said, hey, just calling to chat about your bookkeeping. And he said, I um, just a bit busy right now. Can we speak at three o'clock? And so I said, yeah, that'd be great. Can you please fill out this form before we meet? 
big mistake. So I got on the phone um, to the guy. So what I did was I looked at the form, got the answers, put the quote together. Now, I'm not saying don't do a quote before you've done the health check. I often do draft up the quote before doing a health check. And when I, if they haven't given me access to their zero file, I will put in the quote that it's pending the zero health check. That will give them an idea of what the quote's going to be. But in that instance, I've done the consult with them on the phone already. I've already started to build that rapport with them. Well, I skipped that process. So I, all I had was a guy... So I put myself in his shoes last night and I thought, yeah, because I felt he was like really rude to me. And so, and so, yeah, like a bit painful. And I was like, okay, imagine I'm him. So he, imagine you're this client. So I go to a website, I'm looking for a bookkeeper and I can fill out a form saying, I would like someone to call me. A week later, they haven't gotten back to me. So I go back to the website because he filled out the form twice and I resubmit the form saying, you know, need to speak to someone about the bookkeeping. So there you go. Strike one. Um, the guy hasn't been responded to quickly. He's received an email saying he would be, and he hasn't, hasn't been responded to. Okay. So put yourself in this guy's shoes, contacts a bookkeeper. She doesn't reply to him. Okay. So then from there, he's going about his day and he's in the middle of something that bookkeeper calls and says, Hey, do you have time to do this initial consult? And so he's like, oh, I'm actually a bit busy right now. Can we, can we do it at three o'clock? Okay, cool. I call back. Actually, we mixed up the time. So I, he was in um, Brisbane and I'm in Melbourne. So I said, I'm, you're an hour behind me. So if you could call at three o'clock your time, that would be great because three o'clock my time, I'm going to a meeting. Well, he didn't. He called me at two o'clock his time, which was three o'clock my time. So I missed him. Okay, so picture this. He's now tried to call at the time that he thought he was meant to call and there's no answer. Then an hour and a bit later, when I'm waiting for him to call me at four o'clock, didn't hear anything. So 15 minutes later, I'm like, oh, maybe he's thinking I'm going to call him because I thought he was calling me and he had, but I didn't know because I'd been in a meeting and my staff member took the call and yeah, so there you go. Okay. So this guy has called at the time he thinks is right. No answer. An hour and 15 minutes later, he gets a call back from the bookkeeper, and this is what I said to him. Ah, I'm kicking myself, why did I say this? I said to him, I've drafted up the quote for you and I need to do a health check to confirm the quote, but what I was thinking of doing is before I do the health check, I thought I'd just let you know what the price is so that you can decide whether that's, um, you know, what you're expecting. And then if, if you're okay with that, I'll go on and do the health check. And then that way, you know, that way I don't have to do the health check unless, you know, we're in your budget. And he said, okay, great. How much is it? And I said, $5.95 per month. And he said, right. And I said, um, he said, wow, that's really expensive. Like, no, he said, wow, that is a lot more than what I was expecting. And I was like, and so I didn't realize or even think at the time that I had skipped something in my sales process. I just thought I was doing my normal process and I just wasn't really, you know, paying attention. And so <laughs> there you go. So he was like, oh, wow. And so obviously when someone says that, you just like, ah, I hate that. I seriously hate it when someone says that it's expensive. And I said, well, 
um, he said, why is it so much? And I said, well, it's, it's, it's not really that much, but I've just gone through and I've picked the items off your initial consult that you said that you wanted. So what we can do is, you know, if you want to have a look at the quote, you can just let me know if there's anything on there. Cause I may have included something that you um, don't want, or maybe there's something that you need that I haven't included. So you'll need to have a look at the quote and then we can review it together. And he said, so, and then he started to go into like a lot of detail. Like he started asking me, like, what's your hourly rate? Are you going to give me the break? Like, no, he said, what have you included in the quote? And then everything that I told him, he asked like a lot of questions, like what's the hourly rate behind that? Are you going to give me a breakdown? Um, why is that included? Why do you charge this much for this? And he really like picked it apart. And I was just like, oh my God, I just, I wasn't prepared for it. Like I just wasn't mentally prepared for it. I was just sort of thinking, you know, I was in my little la di da land of when, you know, when I call, I mean, it's not really la di da land, but it sort of is. Like when I call bookkeepers to talk to them about my services from Savvy, like everyone's happy to speak to me. Um, I've never had, I mean, I'm sure you guys maybe think, gee, Amy, your services are way too expensive, but you like, you guys would never say that to my face. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of used to not being pulled up on that kind of thing. And so I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, and I said to him, well, actually, um, you know, the hourly rates that I use to create the packages are actually like under, under the industry average, which is $65 an hour for, for bookkeeping. And anyway, yeah, he wasn't happy. He, he was actually offended and he sort of did the whole, like, you know, Oh, like I just do this and I don't understand why it's that much because I just do this and click this button and it shouldn't really take that long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so then I think from there, like I kind of like rambled a little bit cause I sort of got, it threw me off. And so I got a bit nervous, but I talked about how that's right. And yeah, cause he said one of the comments that he said was, um, he said, well, actually like I haven't done my due diligence yet and I haven't compared to what else is, what, other people are charging and I was like oh my gosh I really don't like it when people um, say that and it just makes you feel like a commodity it's like okay like like I know that I've said in other episodes that it is a smart business owner who looks for the best price but there's a way to go about it you don't have to like put it right in the first person's face like do you know what I mean but anyway like I understand where he was coming from now because I reflected on it and I thought okay well if I was in his position and so that's when I identified I woke up this morning I was like oh my gosh I got it I know why it happened because I skipped my sales process so um, look I'm not saying that it definitely would have been different and oh that's right and well, I didn't yeah I'll tell you this in a second so the, the reason I'm saying it would have been different is that doing the initial consult on the phone I get to build rapport with him for 20 minutes so he's hearing my voice I'm getting to chat to him you know he's learning little bits and pieces about you know what I offer my expertise personality all that sort of stuff and so he's able to build a connection with me or you know not and so from there then I once I've done that it's easier for me to ask for access for the data file because I've built some trust with him whereas if I'm just if I call someone out of the blue and I'm like hey give me advisor access to your zero file well you know they might think i don't even know who you are like i'm not going to give you access to my zero file so you know obviously going about it that way kind of stuffed me up the second stuff up was 
by doing it that way and putting the quote together and then telling him the price because I was trying to save myself time on the health check process, I had no defense when he told me that my package was way too expensive. And it was really funny because what we did was I told him I shouldn't have done this. I actually went through, I don't normally show the clients the breakdown unless they ask for it. Um, you know, I'm not against doing it, but I kind of, I don't want them sitting there overthinking it and going, oh, this is charging this much an hour and this is this and this is this. But that's what he did. He picked it apart. And so what we did was we removed it. I said, well, what if you still do your own payroll? Because he's like, oh, you know, it only takes like five seconds to do it. And I was like, okay. And so the thing that he said he wanted out of all of this was his time back. So I was like, okay. So he, he I said, well, if you did your own payroll and if you didn't need custom reports from us, then your price would be more like $4.25 a month. And he's like, oh, well, you know, that's still really expensive. And yeah. So the problem was once we reached that point in the discussion, I had no comeback for anything because guess what? I hadn't done the health check. So this is what he said to me. So on his form, he said that he wanted his time back. That was his main goal of getting a bookkeeper. He said, how many hours have you based this quote on? How many hours have you included? And I said, four hours per month. And he, he was like, right, okay. So he, he didn't like that, that it was gonna take so long. We went, I went further into the discussion. I did have a bit of courage to probe him about a couple of things. And I said, how, um, how much time do you spend on bookkeeping at the moment? Anyway, we, as we started to talk through that, he spends four hours a week doing his bookkeeping. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, I really need to do the health check because he's telling me it's just this quick little thing. And he's, he's told me on the form that's only X amount of transactions. Had I done the health check, I would have been able to see really what was going on in the file. The other thing was, so I quoted him for four hours a month and he was saying that it's taking him four hours a week. And so he was saying that it's too expensive. Um, and then I'm going to be spending too long. And I'm like, right, so you want me to do in under four hours in a month what you normally spend four hours a week doing, 16 hours a month. And so I'm quoting you $5.95 a month to do that. And then I said to him, what's your hourly rate? And he said, oh, well, I don't have an hourly rate. And I was like, oh my gosh, everybody has an hourly rate. Like you can work out your hourly rate by taking your profit and dividing it by how many hours you work if you don't pay yourself a salary. Anyway, he said, well, I guess if I had an hourly rate, it'd be the average um, tradesman rate. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, um, $80 an hour. And so I didn't send this, but after, after I got off the call, I wanted to send him an email and say, did you know that your bookkeeping is costing you $1,300 a month? And... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so I, yeah. So I thought all of this through and I was like, oh my gosh, because I didn't do the health check. So had I done the health check, I could have actually had something to back up the fact that he might not necessarily be doing a good job. He has no idea whether he's doing a good job or not. Cause when I said, oh, you spend four hours a week doing it. And I've just quoted you for four hours a month. And you're saying that's a lot. And he said, oh, well, and I said, well, what do you, he said, well, it's not all, you know, like bookkeeping. And I was like, okay, well, what, what do you do during those four hours? And he said, oh, you know, I just kind of get on the computer and I look around at different reports and look at different numbers and, 
um, you know, pa um, pay some bills. And he said, but the bookkeeping bit, the reconciling bit, like that's so easy. Um, all you do is just kind of click a few buttons and, you know, then it's done. I don't understand why you want to charge me four hours a month for that. And I said, well, how long do you spend doing that? And he said, it takes me like 30 minutes to do it each week. And I said, okay, so 30 minutes, two hours, you're saying it takes you two hours a month. And so, you know, what, I guess what you don't realize is that you've got all the paperwork there in your office or maybe in your head. Um, whereas you're wanting to outsource it to me as a bookkeeper and I need to make sure that you've got all of the paperwork. So you might know that you have the paperwork, but if you ever get audited, uh, you know, how are you going to easily and quickly retrieve that paperwork? So if you're going to be asking me to do your bookkeeping, I need to check your tax invoices to, to see, you know, the, you know, to make sure that you've got those tax invoices and I need to make sure that they're filed, um, you know, in, in order. And that was really all I could really say to him because unfortunately I hadn't done the health check. So I didn't have any idea about the quality of his work. And I was kicking myself. I was like, oh, Amy, like, Anyway, it might still be redeemable, but he, I, honestly, ugh, I, I think even if I'd ticked all the boxes with this client, I, I get, I have the feeling like if someone's willing to speak to somebody like that, like I feel kind of like the word that I've got about that is contempt. So sort of like talking, kind of like talking down to me or it's sort of being like quite dismissive of, you know, like what, what a bookkeeper can actually do. And so, but then I've been flicking back and forth between, well, it is our job to educate the clients and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I sort of got the feeling that regardless, even if I'd done the sales process perfectly, he probably would have acted the same way, but that's okay. I just said to him, you know, well, you know, that's, that's great. You know, you should go out there and do some due diligence, have a look at what's out there. You know, I think our prices are, um, you know, very, very affordable. Um, and, you know, also our team is highly skilled. So when you're looking for a bookkeeper, make sure that they're a registered BAS agent because there's a lot of things that only a BAS agent is allowed to do. I'll send you some information. I haven't sent him anything yet, but I'll, I'll send him. There's a link on the tax practitioners board, which has got like a checklist of what a BAS agent can and can't do, or what BAS agent can do and what a bookkeeper um, who's not a BAS agent can do. Yeah, so there you go. So I'm going to send that as a follow-up. But lesson learned, because even for my own peace of mind, I would love to be able to get in that guy's data file now and have a look at what he's doing. And, you know, because I think... I'm not saying that business owners can't do a good job of their bookkeeping, but, you know, I, I've seen it over and over and over again. Eight or nine out of ten new client jobs is often has some level of catch-up work or fix-up work to be done. It's very rare, like I'd say one or two in 10 where you see a nice, neat set of accounts. So I, I, yeah, I really doubt it. And also in the quote, so in the quote, I wasn't just doing bank reconciliations. He wanted me to follow up his um, debtors and um, provide custom reports and stuff like that. So I was just like, oh, okay, this guy doesn't have any idea, but I guess it's my job to educate him. So guess what I did from this morning? I woke up with, nice and early at 4.40 a.m. with a little bit of inspiration to wake up because I'll be honest with you, this guy was bobbling around in my head. Like when I woke up in the morning, I was thinking about it. I was like, I was ticked off 
last night. I was really annoyed and I kept thinking about, it's like his words were going over and over in my head and same when I woke up this morning, it was going round and round in my head. And so I just kind of listened to the rubbish go round in my head for a while until I got quite frustrated and then I actually prayed, <laughs> which is something that I try and remember to do if, if something's frustrating me like this. I don't know why, for some reason, I sometimes forget to do it, but... But I just thought, I was just like, oh my gosh, God, please help me. I don't know why this man's voice is going around in my head and I don't know why it's affecting me so much. Like it really had a grip on me. And I thought, what, what do I actually do about this? How can I get this God's voice out of my head? And also, can you help me to understand why it's affected me so much? And so I just sort of leapt out of bed. I thought, well, I'm not going to lie here and keep thinking about it, like, Often I'll do that. I'll lie there for like two hours and I'll be like, oh, I should have just got up. So I got up, I went into my office with a cup of tea and I grabbed out my Bible because, you know, I mean, I guess usually when I pray, I hope that God will say something back. And this verse actually popped into my head. It's Psalm 123. I love it. Psalm 123. Nice and easy to remember. Now, I know we're not a religious podcast here, but I'm going to read it to you because it, this is really inspiring to me. It's, this is what it says, Psalm 123. So um, it's called, our eyes look to the Lord our God. So it says, I lift up my eyes, or to you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their master and the eyes of the maidservant to the hand of the mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. I was like, oh my gosh, mercy. Okay, what's that? <laughs> um, have mercy upon us, Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of, wait for it, contempt. Our soul has had more than enough of the scorn of those who are at ease and of the contempt of the proud. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. And so I read, I sat in my office and I actually just read it out loud. Like, I just read it out loud. And as I read those last two verses, so have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy upon us, for we have had more than enough of contempt. So basically what it's saying, like, well, what I think it's saying is um, like, it's it, it was me asking, like, just saying, God, can you please help me? Um, because of, you know, because of contempt and the way that it's affecting me and, the way that I feel that I've been exposed to a lot of it. And then it says our soul has had more than enough. And so what has it had more than enough of? Well, the scorn of those who are at ease and the contempt of the proud. And I was like, okay, well, you know, your soul is, you know, your soul is made up of your mind and your heart and your spirit. I think, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really an expert on this stuff, but I think your soul incorporates your mind and your heart. So that's like your thinking and your emotions. So if I wake up in the morning and my thinking and my emotions are like totally like hanging on to this man's words, which were really hurting me, I was thinking, what was it that was hurting me? It's the contempt of the proud. And I was like, that is it. I've hit the nail on the head. I'll tell you what contempt means. And you can tell me whether you think it's relevant. This is what the dictionary says. The feeling that a person or thing is worthless or beneath consideration. Uh, disregard for something that should be considered. Um, I think they're the two relevant ones. And the other words for it would be scorn, disdain, disrespect, 
deprecation. Um, yeah. So I definitely feel like some of that kind of really fits in there with, with you know, with what I've experienced and why that kind of offended me. And so obviously I finished talking about the, um, the sales process there, but I really just want to really briefly touch on like how the conversations went um, with the clients. So obviously if you need to go, you can jump off now. I've got to the key points, but what I'm going to talk about now is just quickly the contempt that I experienced in that call. And then I'll quickly talk to you about um, another call from a client that, uh, yeah, I feel like it did, it did trouble me the experience that this person had had with a bookkeeping practice inside an accounting firm. I won't go on and on about it, I promise. Um, but if you do need to go now, feel free to go. Please jump on the podcast app right now. I know you've got it in your hand um, <laughs> because you're listening to this right now. So click on there and give me five stars and leave me a review. That would be rad. <laughs> um, yeah, so Wikipedia says that contempt is a pattern of attitudes and behaviours often towards an individual or group that sometimes towards an ideology that has the characteristics of disgust and anger. Well, yes. So um, I really felt when I spoke to this person that like he was offended by what I'd said about the price. Like he was, he was disgusted about it. He took, like he picked everything apart like disdain. And I guess this is the reason why I think that even if I'd done it perfectly, I feel that this client is not a good fit for my business. So that was good. That was a nice step forward. But realizing that that's what it is, I thought, yeah, this is what bookkeepers go through. This is what we have. One of the things, the major hurdles that we need to overcome is the contempt of the proud. So what, what is the proud? Well, it means people who are prideful. And what is prideful? Well, prideful people are unteachable um, because they think they know everything. So a person who's prideful, they think they know everything. They think they're better than you. They think that they're um, you know, they're sort of like, a, I guess like an arrogance, you could say. But how's this, right? Obviously, you can always go to the dictionary if you want to define a word. But when you're reading the Bible, there's this thing called um, a Strong's Concordance where, so the, the one that I've got is actually on my, um, it's on my iPad. And so when I'm reading a scripture, I can click on the word, so all the different words will, it'll be in a slightly different color if it's um, a link and I can click on it and it will actually bring up, so the scripture will bring up the, it'll, that word will come up and it's called the um, um, Strong's Dictionary. So Strong was the person who made it obviously, but um, it's, it's, a, it's a concordance is a, a dictionary of the original underlying Hebrew or Greek words of the Bible or Aramaic. So basically here, this is what the word contempt means in the Strong's concordance. So I love the fact that I can look up today's definition on the website, but what I can do here is I can click on the word and see what did they actually mean? What did that word mean back then when, the scripture was written and before it was translated into English. So the word contempt actually means disrespect, despised or shamed. And it is contempt springing from evil, springing from prosperity or springing from judgment. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. So they're the different instances where someone might show contempt for, for somebody else. So it's either that they're doing something evil that they don't want to be found out for 
Um, it could be that they're um, prosperous, so they might be rich and they see the person as beneath them. Um, so for example, I'm not saying that all rich people are like that, but somebody who is very wealthy may be protected from the real life of everyday people or even poor people and to look on those people with contempt. And so, uh, and then the third one is about springing from judgment. So obviously judgment is when somebody makes, um, you know, kind of a black and white call about something. They've kind of got this fixed view of what they think that something is. And if someone disagrees with them, that will result in contempt. And I reckon this is so applicable because evil, when, when contempt springs from evil, now, obviously, we're probably not used to talking about the word evil very often, especially when it comes to bookkeeping. But when you've got someone who is, um, for example, purposely incorrectly paying their stuff, that person is actually, whether you want to call it, what, whatever you want to call it, they're, they're potentially doing something evil. I guess it depends on the motivation. They may be ignorant of it, but you'll find out whether what they're doing is evil or ignorance. So what will happen is when you tell them, okay, this is actually what the law says, you'll know because if they're doing something evil, they will heap contempt on you. They will say, and their contempt will be, well, my accountant said I could do it this way or, well, that's what everybody in the industry does, or, well, that's what I've always been doing. Like, they'll give this defensiveness because they're trying to protect the fact that they have no intention of wanting to change. Whereas if the person was doing it out of ignorance that, and you told them this is what the law says, they would say, oh, really? Oh, okay, I had no idea. Okay, how can we fix this? So you can see the difference in the two. Um, springing from prosperity, I guess... Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we experience this in our industry. Obviously, we deal with people at different levels. I think, you know, on some level, we are professionals. Um, and so business owners, whether they're wealthy or not wealthy, they will see us um, as, um, you know, they might feel contempt for us, seeing us as, you know, like sort of like underlings for them. But it can work in the other way as well. You know, if contempt springs from prosperity, you could probably say it works the other way around. So, for example, like, um, you know, you could have people who are poor or not wealthy and they might show contempt for wealthy people. So, for example, an example of that might be, oh, well, all rich people are greedy for example, you know, you're, you're actually making, you're showing contempt for, you know, like you're disgusted by rich people. Um, so that's just an example there. So you could have somebody, um, you could have a client who doesn't have very much money um, and they show contempt for you because they believe that you're somehow disgusting for charging a price that they can't afford. So there's an example there. And then the other one's bringing from judgment. Well, you know, that, that comes down to, so let's say a person has decided um, that bookkeeping is just easy clicking a few buttons, then from there is going to arise a judgment. So that when, when you say, well, this is the price, they're going to then judge that. Um, and then, um, you know, they may or may not listen to you if you try and explain what's actually involved and what's required. And you'll be able to discern which side of the fence that it falls on. If it's judgment, you'll know if it's judgment because they will not be willing to change what they believe, to listen to what you have to say. They'll just, they'll find any reason to make you wrong in the situation. So anyway, hopefully that's been helpful. Um, because so even though I kind of, well, in a way I went 
I don't know if I went off track, I guess you'll be the judge of that. So, but I feel that this is really relevant to me because I'll be honest with you. Yesterday, after that phone call with this guy, I actually found myself thinking, oh, I don't know if I want a bookkeeping business. I want to stay in my comfort zone because I really, I love working with bookkeepers because they don't subject me to this kind of crap. And like, even if they have those opinions about me in internally they you know they don't kind of you know lay it on me sort of thing i've i've had like a small handful of bookkeepers do that but nowhere near as many as the business owners and i said to my husband i don't want a bookkeeping business anymore i don't want to go through this like i just remembered like i said to him um ah i don't i don't want to deal with business owners i just like dealing with bookkeepers they're so much nicer and easier to work with and he said like amy and like so he realizes that you know, I really struggled the first time around running my business and I've grown so much as a business owner since um, running Savvy and, not, you know, and then going back into the bookkeeping business, I'm applying and learning for all, all of my mistakes, which has just been, like, it's been really great um, overall. Um, and, and William just pointed out to me, he said, you know, you don't want to lose touch. You know, what you're experiencing is what bookkeepers experience. And, you know, although it's painful <laughs> and uncomfortable, and sometimes not very nice. The reality is that, you know, it, being involved in that helps you to be able to relate to your peers. You, you don't want to find yourself in five or 10 years that you've, you know, that you've become irrelevant. If you're going to be a leader, like you have to be in amongst it in a way. Like I'm not saying, you know, that you can't help bookkeepers if you're not still a bookkeeper, but I think there's definitely a level of depth that has come to how I've been able to help my clients through running the bookkeeping business. And I can tell you what one of them is, I'm so excited. So after I read that scripture this morning, do you know what? I thought, oh my gosh, like, am I gonna have to sit here and you know pray for like the next hour or so? And I didn't, I read it out. And as soon as I read it out, I just felt the weight lift from my spirit. And the, the, you know, the words of this man kind of like alleviated from me. And what was there in its place was an understanding for him and his situation. So regardless of whether, you know, there's contempt there or judgment or whatever is going on for him, regardless of that, I suddenly was able to zoom out and see from his perspective. And the other cool thing that I saw is like instantly all of the content for my email series just flooded down from heaven into my mind. And I have my email sequence campaign of what I'm going to actually be delivering to people once they join my database now. So before I was like, oh, I was really struggling to be honest. I was like, okay, but I'm lead generation is really my thing. I'm, I have no problem with getting leads, converting the leads into clients. Yep. I can do it really like quite well. And, um, but one of the things I was thinking is like, how can I improve that? And also like, how can I, what should I email people about? I was like, what do business owners want to hear? Like, I don't really want to hear that much about bookkeeping you know, not the kind of stuff that we talk to each other about as bookkeeping. So I was like, ah, anyway, this whole email sequence literally downloaded into my mind. Like after I read that scripture, I just downloaded into my mind and I was like, yes, put that in Dropbox. <laughs> nah, so basically, um, yeah, so I drafted that up this morning and so I'm going to share it with you. Um, not yet though, I've just got to get it ready and I would also like to test it on my audience first so that I, you know, make sure 
um, that it's good and then I make sure that it's actually working and helping. Like I'll be able to measure it. So let's say if you give me a couple of months to finish, uh, finish it and roll it out and test it out on my clients, then I'm actually going to share it with you guys and you have to pay for it. I'm not giving it to you for free because this, yeah, this is good. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I'll, look, I'll give you some samples for free and I'll give you a bit of an outline if you want to put your own together. Um, but I think, yeah, this, I've, I finally realized I'm like, okay, yes, like I actually got it and I know how it's basically, yeah, like it's basically about education and you're going to hear me talk about this next week. Next week, I'm interviewing Lilette Kalija from All That Counts. She's a Sydney bookkeeper and she's a really cool lady. And we, we actually talk about educating clients um, more from the perspective of the, um, the kind of, well, I don't know if I want to say battle, but sort of the tension that goes on between accountants and bookkeepers. So you'll be able to hear about that next week on Friday. I'll be talking about that. So I actually, um, yeah, recorded that with her this week and I'll be going live next week because this week was the bookkeeping project. So I needed to get this recording out first. Um, so yeah, there you go. Now I was going to tell you about this other client, but basically, yeah, I won't, I won't go into it now, to be honest. I think, I guess the takeaway from that is that just really learning to understand clients that are a good fit and following the process. I sort of like semi didn't do the process properly with her as well. Um, and also, you know, I noticed during the process with two of these, these two people that I did have that gut feeling and I, yeah. And so, you know, just, I guess for me learning how to recognize that and to trust myself in, in, in that and, um, you know, to be able to go, okay, like, yeah, I don't think this client's in the right place at the moment, but they're in my database now, so they're gonna get an education campaign from me, which is really exciting. So that's what I'm gonna work about work on right now. I'm gonna get off this episode and I'm gonna be finishing that off. Um, and then once I've given it a bit of a test run, I will um, share it with you. Um, and if you want to, I guess you can download a sample of it. And if you'd like to actually pay me some money for it, <laughs> I think that would be great because, um, yeah, I don't know. It's actually quite funny, but you would be surprised. Like, I guess it doesn't always get said to me, but there is a little bit of a sentiment out there in the industry that people who help bookkeepers shouldn't charge for their services, like that they should do it for free, like as if they're like an association or something like that. So I'm not an association. I'm like a highly skilled bookkeeper who's been bookkeeping for like over 20 years, like technically close to 25 years, if you count, um, you know, the fact that I used to work for my dad as a teenager in his business on school holidays, doing um, bank wrecks and calling debtors and all that sort of stuff. So I guess technically you could say I do have 25 years experience. Um, I've got like a truckload of experience from the last five years in the two businesses that I've run. Um, I've run un an unsuccessful business in some senses and I've run successful businesses. So um, yeah, I've just learned a lot from that. And so, yeah. And so like the thing, I guess the things that I develop, like I give a lot away, a lot of stuff away to you guys for free. Um, but you know, I think what I provide is really valuable and 
you know, and it comes from real life experience and trying things out. So I reckon this is gold. But, you know, obviously I like to not just go off a gut feeling. I like to back it up with some statistics and to be able to show you the numbers um, and then to be able to offer you that, um, you know, exchange value for value. And, you know, if I can help you to increase the number of clients that come on board for you, then I'll do that. Now, the other very exciting thing, I know I mentioned SEO at the start, next month, Oh no, not next month, next month's December. Oh gosh, December, exciting. Not next month, but the month after in January, I think around the 17th, I don't know. Anyway, around that time, I will be interviewing the very lady who I can give most of the credit for to who taught me everything I know about SEO, the lovely Kate Toon. She's going to be joining me on the podcast. She's going to be talking about SEO and copywriting, um, which is an absolute passion of hers. So uh, yeah, that, that's really, really exciting to be able to kind of go a full circle and come back to, you know, a very, you know, an awesome businesswoman, um, highly skilled technician as well, who's turned her technical skill into a great business um, and to be able to come back you know, I remember my first day learning about SEO and, you know, she was, she was one of the ones who sparked it. The other one was James Gatwood, who I interviewed on a different podcast episode. He was actually the first person I did SEO with. Um, I did like a little mini day course with him and that's what sparked my like, oh, wow. Yeah, I really want to learn about this. And so then I'd been thinking about doing Kate's course. And so I was like, okay, so I did her program and it was, yeah, it was really great. So I contacted her and said, do you want to come on my podcast? And so she's booked in for January. So um, yeah, definitely look forward to that. Make sure that you don't miss it because she is an absolute legend. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's exciting. So obviously we're getting close to the end of the year and we're also getting close to the last episode of the bookkeeping project. So guess what? Next month might be the last ever episode of the bookkeeping project. Is that sad? Do you feel sad? I, I sort of do. And I sort of don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's been really fun sharing with you about what I'm doing in my business. I reckon I'll probably keep doing it, but just maybe not officially as the bookkeeping project, but maybe I will. You know, you should let me know. I, my email address is savvy at the savvybookkeeper.com.au. If you want me to keep going with the bookkeeping project, if you like hearing like the really inside nitty gritty details about how I'm doing business and what I'm doing and off the hook and, you know, learning about all of that, please let me know. If you don't let me know, I'll probably stop doing it because I might think that you're not interested or maybe I'll keep doing it because... I'm sometimes a little bit oblivious to what people want. So if you guys tell me what you want, it'll be a lot better for you. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. If you don't like listening to me rambling, then you've got to tell me what you want. Okay. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Anyway, I thank you so much for your time and your attention. And if you made it all the way through to the end of the episode, you are... A like an absolute legend you have the concentration and focus skills of a champion that it takes to be a great and dedicated bookkeeper so anyway i'll catch up with you next friday when uh, you join me and myself and the lovely lilette collegia to talk about um how to get the most value out of the relationship between accountants and bookkeepers i'll see you then bye-bye have a great weekend 
Thank you for listening to The Bookkeeper's Voice. We'll be back next week, so subscribe to future episode notifications. Do you want to be more efficient? Get instant access to our free template of the month. Visit thesavvybookkeeper.com.au slash freebie. Would you love to connect with other savvy bookkeepers to get support and ideas? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group. Do you need help with pricing, marketing, web design or business planning? Visit thesavvybookkeeper.com.au to see our services. Until next time, stay savvy.